Well, we are top of the league. Say we Stay are off. top of the league. <laughs> we are. I mean, that's. I think that's the definitive takeaway from Manchester United nil. Um, Liverpool nil, not top of the women's league. No, we were, we were top of both, which was good. But uh, it was a tough, tough, tough loss against Chelsea in a in a very and a very like exciting, highly contested, super dramatic game. Which actually, to be fair, even though it was a nil-nil draw, Liverpool versus United did sort of turn into a game in the second half. I think it's easy. When when there's a really bad first half, you can sort of have it in your head after the game that the whole thing was stodgy. But actually, there's it was, it was quite a lot of action and, and was, chances eventually. in the second half. Yeah, I mean, it was a hard nil-nil in the first half, wasn't it? And, and And to be fair, I mean, I didn't see the interviews with Klopp and Solskjaer after the game, so I don't know what they said, but I'm sure Klopp said something along the lines of, you know, we were the only team doing the attacking or something like that. I'm just going to guess uh, because he can be a bit like that Carney in, in games where teams sit back and United did defend really, really deep for the entire game and, and couldn't really break out very often. There were a few half breaks, weren't there, but nothing that was really concrete. Some poor decision making by Marcus Rashford and a couple of decent chances, but nothing, um, you know, but one really good one in the second half. Uh, but in the end, United got what I guess Solskjaer was, was, you know, his baseline was keep clean cheat and then see what happens from there. So, mm. and, and see what happens from there. It was a reasonable strategy given the players that he put on the pitch. I mean, the, this was a game where it was actually our less good players that were the most crucial to United getting a decent result. So I thought that the the back four pretty much all did their job. I think there was one moment where Lindelof got really badly turned. Gary Neville said be a lot of United fans shouting Eric Bailly's name right now. Um, but uh, Luke Shaw continued his absolute resurgence of form. We're going to do some listener questions. We've got a lot of listener questions about Luke Shaw, um, which we can, we can chat about later. Um, but yeah, I thought the back four did their job pretty well. I thought McTominay did um, well off the ball. I haven't looked at the data. Fred, Fred, I might be like blinded by how bad he was with the ball for the most part. Um, but in, in general, the, what I'm basically going to go on to say is that just Rashford was absolutely terrible. Bruno was absolutely terrible. Pogba was mostly absolutely terrible. Um, and, you know, it's very unlikely you're going to get a win when when those three all play so badly in a game where the strategy is to hit them on the break, essentially. Well, yes, I think so. I mean, like to go to your first point. First, the the defensive side of United's game was, was pretty decent. I mean, they, I guess they did what you'd have to do if you're going to pick Lindelof and Maguire, not by Ian Maguire, which is play very because then they, you know, the, the weakness of, of Lindelof is predominantly physical in the air, but secondary, he, he can get turned and he's not quick on the turn and Maguire's even slower. So, um, and, and then like by sitting basically on their six yard line for most of the game, they negated those problems and, and Liverpool aren't going to hit them in the air. Um, and they did the basics of defending pretty well. Maguire, I thought, was was pretty good throughout. You know, no no major errors. Um, Shaw got forward. Wan-Bissaka did not, really. And you know, what we expected before the game, which was Alexander-Arnold and Robertson pushing on and sort of um, overloading or creating a, a, an opportunity for the switch to play, did happen a lot in that first half, didn't it? And, and it felt like Liverpool had 12 men as a result because they always had an outball. 
uh, and United had one extra defender on the wrong side of the pitch all the time. Uh, but but they they were able to fashion more on the break in the second half. And I think just especially in that first half, the use of the ball when breaking was particularly poor. Bruno was wasteful. Fred very wasteful. Pogba was sort of, he wasn't wide left, which we kind of expected when we were talking before the game that he might be. Uh, he was actually to the right of a flat three. So it was a sort of four, three, one, two um, formation. And and he didn't get into the game until later in the game. Uh, and, you know, um, th- th- there's one scenario in which United could have, the last 10, 15 minutes could have been United because Liverpool push and push and push and they've been suffering a bit physically. Um, and that's where, you know, as soon as the game gets stretched, United could um, counter. Um, and, and actually Liverpool paid a lot of respect to United from a defensive point of view and played like the four in the box. And... Uh, on you know protect against counter all of the time uh, so like only one fullback ever went forward which is counter to what they normally do so you know the two teams sort of cancelled themselves out and i thought united might come into it very strongly it didn't really happen sort of but not really anyway yeah um i the the shape just didn't work at all and and i think that that is ex- partly exactly what you said that it left them with an out ball because essentially the the fullbacks are being kind of backed up by the two center mids or they're being backed up by Pogba and Martial because he made some pretty odd decisions I thought Solskjaer in this one and I'd I'd love to know why so he played Rashford up top through the middle Martial on the left and Pogba on the right it, it I mean I think it was pretty clear that Rashford was a little uncomfortable on the right against whoever we played last Burnley because he had to come inside every time like you said on the show last week um but Pogba looked better on the left and Martial's looked better through the center albeit he's not taking his chances so I wonder if Ole is just sort of almost reducing this down to its kind of very core essence of if you're going to play at number nine you've got to put the blooming ball in the blooming back of the blooming net um I guess and, yeah I mean it, it's it, it always looks a bit awkward when you've got square pegs in round holes or not quite round peg in round holes to really butcher that analogy uh, and Martial Rashford you know Rashford straight through the middle Martial off to the left as you said Pogba was not playing sort of wide right he was wasn't getting forward much so it was more much more of a sort of flat three so it was a little unbalanced um and and it's all caused by the fact that we don't have anyone who can play on the right Except for Greenwood, and he's been struggling a little bit with form this season. Yeah, this is then massively compounded by the fact that Bruno Fernandes' first half pass completion, and I know pass completion statistics are by no means the be-all and end-all of judging the quality of a performance, but 44% is low. 44%. That means that 66% of the time that he had the ball, he gave it away. And that, honestly, that's one of those numbers where you go, yep, Sounds about right. Uh, it sometimes feels it. like that when he's like at 70% pass completion, but 44 <laughs> is quite spectacular for him. Yeah, I mean, if you if you it got better in the second half, like everything else that United did, um, by the time that the uh, the like throughout the duration of the of the second half, it, it kind of improved by the time he came off very grumpily, bit grumpy, Bruno. Um, 
uh, it was up to 58%, which almost touched Pogba, who only, like, he gave it away 40% of the time. It's 59% pass completion. The two of them, both in full go big or go home mode, and, yeah, and, really and, and also causing like a lot the, of problems. the pressure that Liverpool put on United as well, I think. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, uh, I mean, yeah, yes, yes. But the way they reacted to that pressure was by doubling down. Like the, the thing they always say about Guardiola, right, which is when he's under pressure, it's not like he's going to start playing 4-4-2 and lumping it. He's going to like try and invent a brand new formation that no one's ever played and say that people are only allowed to pass it five metres or they get banned. Yeah. Um, he goes... So they United super... looked for the transition too quickly. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. And they and and just the big play every time. Um and then we come to the question of Rashford, who has been in I mean, he scored a lot of goals and got a lot of assists, but the last time he looked really, really good was probably Leipzig, right? And that was for for 15 minutes. He's really struggling. I mean, he's doing his job, but he's uh he's not in good form and, and there were moments in this game where he just left you tearing your hair out four offside four times in the first half, which yeah, is a lot. a lot of offsides. I mean, he's trying to United were trying to stretch Liverpool or play it too quickly, the the glory ball straight away, and and Rashford was unnecessarily playing right on the shoulder because he's up against Fabinho and and uh, Henderson in the middle there, and he can he can outpace them going backwards. So yeah. he could be a more more conservative with his runs. The passes weren't finding the space either. So, yeah, all a bit moot. Um, and then in the second half, uh, one, one awful one where he's, you know, United have a, a three against two break. He's through the middle. Cavani's to his left. And who was steaming up on the right? I can't, was it Pogba steaming up on the right? Yeah. Yeah. And you're like, he's got to go left. He's going left to Cavani. No, no, he's too late. Got to go right. Go right. And he did none of them and ended up getting tackled. And Cavani yeah, went I, um... absolutely mad. Uh, that one rightly so i asked uh, listeners for questions today and at berber k said uh, has rashford not heard the eddie cavani song because he did not he did not give it give it give it to eddie cavani um in fact he ran it ran it ran it into a blind alley which is the opposite of what you're meant to do in that situation i was literally by that point shouting at my tv get it right get it right get it right no that's not getting it right if you want to know how i was doing in that moment not good um it was uh it was frustrating and um it in the end like it was also for the first half it was very worrying because it looked like liverpool just needed to kind of flick a switch um, I was thinking, you know, they always ask, like, who's going to be the happiest set of fans after that game when, when there's a draw? And it's like Man City fans are going to be the happiest set of fans because they're going to look at, at our kind of laboured inability to really assert ourselves in a in a big game, which has been a, a problem this season. And they're going to look at Liverpool and go, I think they might just be a bit rubbish because... They haven't scored in three Premier League games or something, or four maybe. Yeah, they seem and to be suffering with the pack schedule more than most. And, and you know, of course, their game they is They haven't based... played any games. I, I know, but it's, it's cumulative, isn't it? I mean, they, I, I, I guess, I mean, they're just, um, they're a team that plays high energy. They they had a lot longer off than United, though. I mean, a lot longer. They only played two games over the Christmas. We played, I think we played, I think we've played six games in the time that they played three. So the pack schedule, schmack schmack schedule. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, good. (laughs) 
smooth. <laughs> That's the kind of pro analysis that we get on this show. Uh, yeah, I yeah. mean, yes, uh, they just seem to be suffering this season. And uh, I don't think it's the defensive side because their expected goals against has actually gone down since Virgil van Dijk um, was injured. Yeah. And, and maybe because they're changing their tactics as well to compensate. Yeah, and this is what a friend of mine was saying to me, that um, because Van Dyke's not there, they can't just send Alexander-Arnold and Robertson bombing up top, which now means that their lack of creativity in the midfield is really exposed. Particularly now Fabinho's playing in the centre of defence. And this was this was the thing that you look at that those two starting lineups, and you think... We should just be going hell for leather here. Like, no respect. Should have given them absolutely no respect. Although I guess it's also worth saying that their makeshift centre-backs did do a pretty good job. Fabinho is just a pretty good centre-back, isn't he? So, you know. Um, I mean, the defensive side of his game is very good. Yeah. And he's getting used to that position. I wanted to mention about Lindelof earlier. One fantastic Eric Bailly-esque block really late in the game in the six-yard box, which was crucial. Maguire, one really important block as well. Super, super good tackle on Salah at one point. So, I mean, like, like, talked a lot about United. Liverpool, for all their possession, and they had like 845 touches to United's 535, right? So, you know, a a lot of the ball, a lot of possession, a lot of touches. And I think it was 18 shots, or is it more? I can't remember now. I lost count. And um, But not too many really good saves that De Gea made. One diving to his right wasn't that much into the top corner, one he'd expect to make. Um, there's the Firmino chance late in the game. But they, they come out of this game for all of that with pretty low XG because they didn't fashion really good chances. No, and and you know United. I, I would say like the biggest XG chance that Liverpool had was a Firmino one, which Maguire got the block in. Um, but United's two biggest XG chances, I thought the the two players didn't do as well as they should. Allison got somehow got credit from Jamie Carragher for being the best goalkeeper in the league with a shot that went straight at him. Uh, now I know, now we know how all the opposition fans felt about our De Gea shouts because they always used to say that about him. Um, the first one was a good save. The Bruno one, um, it was a good save with his foot, but Bruno, I mean, he didn't have a huge amount of space to aim at between the keeper and the defender. So I think that's why he kind of went a bit closer to the keeper. But a little bit of height on that might have made a big difference. Uh, the Pogba one, it looked like he'd maybe struck it sweetly enough to 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 get it in at the near post. But it just was, in the end, it was just straight at him. And those 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 were two pretty big chances. Yeah, I mean, like- I mean, both of them. Um, yeah, difficult chance for Bruno, but close in. And then Pogba, it's uh, he's gone for power there, and if he goes across the keeper on the near post, there's probably a very good chance he scores. Yeah, it's frust- very very frustrating in the end. And you know, uh, the other thing about that, it's not it's not even that game wasn't even like the story of the chances created by either side. Um, United had lots of opportunities that they could have turned into chances created that they didn't. You know, lots of uh, things that could have been pre-assists, you know, lots of play at the uh, the forward end of the middle third that didn't translate into doing anything decent in the final third. And that comes down to those individual performances. I actually thought Martial was hooked. I guess he, you know, maybe struggling for fitness a little bit. Um, I actually thought like his his... 
uh, touch on the ball and is running with the ball uh, and indeed his his pass selection and distribution was the best of the front four really um, in that first half. Uh, but yeah, so, I mean, City are now in a position where if they win both of their games in hand, uh, they would be ahead of us by one point, I think. Um, but still being top of the league after, you know, last weekend when we went, uh, no, we went top of the league at Burnley, didn't we? Um, last weekend, though, it was like we could get to the end of uh, next Sunday and be top of the league. That'd be massive. And you know, that, that result in and of itself, a bit like the Leicester game, the result in and of itself is fine. Um, and maybe maybe this does show how far we've come, being kind of really disappointed to go away from Anfield, not having beaten them. Yes. I mean, look, disappointed because there were half chances and potential opportunities and we know how good United can be on the break and they weren't that good on the break. That's why we're disappointed. Yeah. But in the overall balance of play, I don't think you can say United deserve to win that game. Oh no, 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 definitely not. No, not moral victors, not. other other than in the general the general aspect of football <laughs> when we're always morally victorious over Liverpool. And um, what did you make? Because we didn't really talk about this. We mentioned what what the shape was, but what did you make of Solskjaer's decision to put Pogba on the right, Martial on the left, and Rashford up front? Yeah, I mean he's I I mean it's probably what you were saying earlier that he's he's just um well it's I think it's two things he who's in form and I guess he feels that Martial's out of form otherwise he'd had Rashford down the left where he always looks more dangerous um although the the breaks through the middle are the breaks through the middle highlight the weakest part of a very good player which is the consistency of his finishing that's what I'm saying um, and it's that's not quite true when he's playing off the left as a inside left. Uh, Martial's a more natural number nine. He's got his faults too, obviously. Um, so I think yeah, he's not, just trying to balance any that. Goals. <laughs> yeah. Um, so, but basically, in Pogba, uh, Rashford, and Martial, you got three players that all want to play off the left or left-ish. You know, Martial still bends his runs to the left if he's playing through the middle. Um, and and that's a challenge. And we've got a squad that doesn't have. I don't know, you know, I don't know, sort of a right-sided attacking player who gets sort of, you know, high double figures or high uh, <laughs> high teens goals and assists every season and plays for a team in yellow, that kind of thing. That's what I, I mean, tend to make of it. Has he scored a goal this season? Um, I think so, finally. He's had a very poor season by um, all accounts, uh, Jadon Sancho. Uh, but apparently coming back into some form and... Um, uh, Michael Zork was talking about uh, him thinking that he was going to leave. So, having that that kind of it's fascinating that he thought he was going to leave, given that whole story and how Dortmund very clearly did not think at any point that he was going to leave. So well, anyway. uh, Jaden Sancho has clearly not been following United's transfer business and probably <laughs> believed uh, that uh, United would cave and pay the fee. <laughs> yes. Um, the uh, yeah, the, the, so I guess it is a way of trying to make the square holes form a kind of balanced picture. But it seemed like a, I mean, almost like he was looking to exploit some sort of matchup or something. But that that just didn't happen. Um, the 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 it it seemed like a weird time to make a big move like that, 
given how things have been going, given that there is a pretty big feel-good factor around the club, it, it seemed a, a strange time to make a kind of big swing and, and put Pogba on the opposite side, move Martial from where he's been playing all season, move Rashford inside. It, it was a lot of moving parts and, and it could easily have gone it, it kind of went wrong in the way that it could easily have done in that first yeah. half in particular I, I mean the way the way i see it is it was a slightly i i think i think as i said earlier it's just slightly unbalanced formation it, it's not really a 4-3-1 because pogba's average position is much much deeper than martial's you know it's it's basically a flat three across midfield uh, with pogba to the right of that and fred to the left and martial off to the left and rashford through the middle you know and and it just just a little. It's kind of one of those formations you pick on uh, on uh, football manager because you're trying to cram players into a formation. Yeah, I mean Martial's average position in that first half was very deep. Like he was, he was very deep too. So you know. Anyway, um, yeah, Luke Shaw worthy of special special mention. I mentioned him briefly earlier, but um, I thought a, a really a really excellent performance. He they Klopp. Picking Shakiri, which I thought was interesting, and I wonder if that was to try and inject a bit of creativity into their side where they've been kind of lacking a bit of creativity, and and sure, kind of shut him down quite effectively. I thought, yeah, they actually had a a, a more creative three because of uh, Tiago and and Shakiri being in there than than is often the case. So, yeah, didn't um, do them much good though, did it? <laughs> No, although they, I mean, they, you know, they had a lot of shots in the first half, uh, not to any great effect. It was interesting, Martin Tyler saying something like, um, oh, Liverpool have had, United have finally had their first shot on target in the second half. It's like Liverpool by that point had had one shot on target. So, you know, chill out, Martin Tyler. Martin Tyler making me one of the most awkward and annoying moments of commentary of the year where he instigated a little Neville Carragher banter where he was like, oh, uh, I bet Jamie Carragher misplaced a lot of passes in those games. And then Neville went or scored an own goal. And then Tyler went, now, now. I was like, you started it, pal. Coming around here with you now, now. Having his cake and eating it at that point. In, in the Chelsea Fulham game, Tyler was commentating on that one. He clearly lives near there because he was getting ribs quite a bit by uh, who was the co-coms on there? I've forgotten now. Uh, anyway, um, and uh, he was talking about one of the Fulham players whose uh, sister is an MP, uh, and he's sort of you know bigging this MP up, saying she's a very impressive woman and all that kind of stuff. And uh, oh, I think Neville was the co. I think Gary Neville was co-coms and. Uh, and Neville was like, oh, it seems like you voted for her then. Oh, no, it's Carragher. It was Carragher. It was Co-Coms. <laughs> Just trying to draw it out and Tyler being all oh, coy about it. Well, again, you started it, pal. Yeah, exactly. He's, this is can't, can't get away with that. If you start it, you've got to back it. That's how beef works, right? I don't know what <laughs> yeah. I'm talking about. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It says the man who's been in a lot of beef. Yeah, man. Um, at Amy Muscat ninety five says, "What is the pod's official position on Luke Shaw, given the recent form?" What, what, he's, he's having a very good season. Start of the season, the official position was: we have an agenda, we're running an agenda, and that agenda has morphed into uh, not having an agenda anymore. <laughs> and him, yeah, because he's having a, he really is having a really good season. Yeah, I, I'd say. Look, the the. Um... 
he seems to have got some mojo back, so he's got more energy. I, I don't, I haven't got the data, but my guess is that he's running a lot more, and maybe that's to do with fitness. And he's not had a serious injury this season. He still has one assist in the league, which isn't a lot in seventeen games or whatever it is. Um, but uh, if if bringing Alex Tellez in has given him that injection and a kind of, you know, you could be out of the side if you don't pick up, then great, great yeah. money well spent. Yeah. Um, so I guess is there anything more that you wanted to say about that Liverpool game? No, look, I think, uh, look, we've got a, a, a set of fixtures coming up, which are, I mean, you know, and, and take this with a pinch of salt, winnable. So Fulham and Sheffield United. Fulham actually playing some decent football, but, you know, still. Sheffield United, yeah. Arsenal, Southampton, Everton, West Brom, right? That's the next six games. So there's a lot of points there. There's a lot of points. Of course, Arsenal, Southampton, Everton, all banana skins. Well, I mean, Southampton Southampton and Everton. Banana skins. Well, you know, Arsenal had three wins on the bounce recently. Um, So... Of course, uh, but we may well look uh, by the time all that's finished in sort of you know end of February, um, and the Euro- Europa League has started up again. We may well look back on this point at Anfield as being a very well-won, hard-fought, yeah. good point. Absolutely, and you know you were you were saying earlier it's like the disappointment is a function of. Um, you know, what could have been rather than, like, what should have been, effectively. Yeah. Um, one of the things is uh, we didn't blow it. That point is, is is a big deal. Like, getting a point rather than zero and them getting only one rather than three, this is a big point. This is it's a big point, potentially a big point. And, like, I guess we're in the title race? When when does it start? Is it twenty games into the season, or is it nineteen? Because that's halfway. When yeah, when is the... well, look, if we beat Fulham on Wednesday, yeah, and depending on how the other results go, yeah, maybe then we can say we're in a title race. Okay, like halfway so stage, we... right? Halfway if stage, we... you got to say. Okay, yeah. okay, yeah, okay, yeah, great. Well, I love it. <laughs> um, <laughs> Uh, okay, I wanted to talk a little bit about the women's team just because I hardly ever end up watching them and yep. I watch most of the game against Chelsea. Um, it was a really uh, fun game. I mean, I, it was very disappointing because United went 1-0 down and fought so hard to get back into it. It was an absolutely superb goal from Lauren James. Check it out if you haven't seen it. She cuts inside uh, 1-2 with I'm not sure who and then um, then with the Martial finish, um, right foot finish into the like far corner, low down. No chance for the keeper, brilliant. But then like within two or three minutes conceded quite a sloppy goal let them get in behind much too easily um and I think it was Sam Kerr who tucked it away Uh, and you know it it was frustrating because in spite of the fact that you would say that this Chelsea team on paper I mean they have the best player in the world in the women's game uh officially and probably to a lot of people's reckoning unofficially too um who scored the opener uh Harder yep um uh, so you know, and and they, and they've invested big money, haven't they, Chelsea? Yeah, into, I mean, um, so, so Frank Kirby scored the winner, but um, 
Oh, yeah. sorry, my bad. Yeah, yeah, it had a world record fee or like, you know, huge fee. I think it was £350,000. So there's, it's very different. Um, much like in most other sports around the world, you know, the transfer fees are are not big and actually fairly rare in the women's game. It's mostly about free, freedom of contract. But Chelsea have invested. They they are the champions. They won on you know a, a, a curtailed season on points per game last season. So they and they've got a lot of very talented players. They're a good side. United held them to a a nil nil draw on the opening day of the the Super League season. You know, and this is the first defeat for this United team in the league. Lost a couple in the uh, what is effectively the League Cup. Um, but, uh, you know, it's a good and growing side. And um, perhaps if uh, Tobin Heath had been fit, the result might have been different. You know, she is, yeah. she is yeah. you know, a world-class forward and, and clearly wasn't fit because she didn't come off the bench, you know. But in Lauren James, a super talented young player. We've seen this before. Some frustration with the inconsistency around her performances. That's why she's not in the team every week, even though she can do that. So Yeah, yeah. Um, I, I, the commentators were saying Kristen Press... Not exactly been at her best, but you could see the kind of levels there. You know, there's there's yeah, that, that the, the, thing. she's like a very high standard player who's not had a good season. Yeah, um, and uh, Leah Galton, I think it was Leah Galton that scored the one that was offside, very marginal, really, really marginal. Um, Sean Massielis was the running the line, and you kind of think. Ah, she's probably right. <laughs> like, I don't think I've ever seen her make a bad decision. And, you know, to to smash the gender ceiling in the way she has, you would imagine she's probably significantly above the average level to overcome those particular kinds of prejudices. But anyway, um, she took it around the keeper beautifully and slotted home, but that was not to be. Um, and, you know, on balance, Chelsea definitely deserved to win, but United were in it all the way through. And given that they're a newly promoted side, you know, to be in it against a team that is, you know, is much better established and has kind of made really big swings in the last couple of seasons, it's a big deal. Um, yeah, yeah, it is. And look, we'll see where it is. It's very tight at the top. I mean, um, you know, I think five points on Manchester City, but they've got a game in hand. So there's no no guarantees about either a title win or qualification for European football next season. But it's yeah, it's incremental progress, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. Well, we absolutely couldn't let this occasion pass, could we? Um, a pretty momentous day in the history of English football as Wayne Rooney hangs up his boots and replaces them for a sheepskin coat or whatever. Um, he has transitioned from being temporary well, player, temporary manager to not player, uh, full-time actual manager, which given that one of the criticisms of him from Derby fans was that he kept playing himself <laughs> and he's rubbish now um, is, uh, is quite something. But, I mean, we've done so many Rooney retrospective things, haven't we? When he left United, when he took over at Derby, well, when he got to Derby. I feel like we'd, we've done one of these every every sort of couple of years over the last couple of years. But, I mean, this is it now. That's it. Wayne Rooney is an ex-player, which, I don't know. So I saw a lot of 20-somethings and early 30s people being like, wow, this makes me feel so old. I'm like, listen... 
Listen, I remember when Ed told me that Ryan Giggs, there's this player in the youth team called Ryan Giggs who's supposed to be even better than Lee Sharp. So I've been <laughs> feeling old for a really long time. But this one yes. this one hits in a different way, doesn't it? it? It does. It does a little bit. Yeah. It's I mean he was he was co-manager and then they decided that wasn't gonna work after like two games and he, then he was, you know, on his own player manager. Uh, and and now full time that he's had in all, all that mix eleven games twenty seven percent win rate so you know three wins four draws and four losses so mixed bag for Derby they've been having a difficult season overall uh, which is why he's in a job and uh, the old guy was out um, well good luck to him you know a a fantastic career um, so many goals for England and for United uh, will remain United's record goal scorer for many years to come. I mean, yeah. we'll see whether Marcus Rashford gets his scoring boots because he could certainly do it if he continues playing for another 10 years or so. Um, but, uh, you know, yes, and we've done plenty of retrospectives, but this is the, the next step. Uh, I mean, I have to say there are many times throughout Wayne Rooney's career when I've thought he's absolutely never going to make a manager. Never, never in a month, never, never. Just don't see it. Uh, but obviously there's something they see at uh, Derby and they're still on the cusp of um, a takeover, right? So maybe this signals that the takeover is going to happen. I mean, one one of the things about Rooney is he's a, well, in cricket, they would call him a badger, right? He is a massive, massive football nerd. He was talking on the United podcast and saying he just did not get it when his teammates wouldn't want to watch. Uh, so he was still at Everton and Liverpool were playing United and it was on the telly and he was the only one watching. And he was just like utterly baffled that his teammates didn't want to watch this game because it was a massive game of football. So that kind of, and, and clearly he's thoughtful about tactics and all that sort of stuff that's you know he, he kind of cites Van Hal as being a, a big influence on him and not necessarily a positive influence on his playing career but I think probably an influence on the way he thinks about tactics and things like that so it's clearly thoughtful about football um you know we've heard a lot of Rooney talking and he's never come across as a great talker in the media but when you get him in a relaxed setting he's an excellent talker you know he's 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 really very clear about communicating his ideas and you know I'm like that United podcast for example it's a very quick and easy listen he's very sort of honest and forthright and extraordinarily self-confident but not in a sort of arrogant it doesn't you know doesn't present as arrogant and off-putting in any way so maybe there's maybe there's a leader in there and and the rumor is that the the players love him at Derby you know that so And, and look I mean um He's clearly going to be learning on the job. He hasn't even finished his uh, UEFA A or Pro license yet. I mean, I don't even know if he could coach in the Premier League if they got promoted. He'd probably have to have someone who's got the Pro license in his backroom staff to have the workaround. Um, so yeah, he's you know he's learning on the job even more than Ollie, but um, in a less sort of uh, under less pressure, uh, he he will garner the respect of the players immediately for the career he's had um he i think you're right he does seem humble i mean one of the one of the some ex outstanding players struggle to coach players who aren't quite as good as them um because they you know they're coaching something different aren't you that's your kind of coaching basics i mean zidane at real madrid's never had to coach a duffer launching one long in the championship has he so 
Um, I wonder how he'd do down the, the lower reaches there. Um, and, and we'll see with Rooney as well, because, you know, maybe he's a couple of years in the MLS and a year and a half in, in, uh, in the championship has uh, taught him all there is to, to know about, you know, crappy standards of football. Yeah, it's possible. And and one of the things that I think is notable is a lot of players who were well, not necessarily super young players now, like Danny Welbeck, for example, is not a young player now, but, you know, players who were young when they had a lot to do with Rooney, their posts about him are all full of kind of gratitude for what he taught them and you know they're all pictures that loads of them and it was with with Rashford with um Sterling and with Welbeck they just all put pictures of him talking to them on on the pitch so you know unless he's asked them all to do that for good PR about his new management career which seems a little unlikely um you know maybe there's maybe there's a really good a really good kind of mentor aspect to his character you know, he was a popular captain at United as well. And, you know, he showed, he, he did the co-lift of the FA Cup with Michael Carrick because neither of the two of them had won it and yep. you know, lots of gestures like that. So, you know, he clearly understands the dressing room and, and all those sorts of things. And, and yep. so, yeah, good luck to him anyway. I, I mean, it would be absolutely lovely if he was an, a fantastic football manager. That'd be great. Well, see, I mean, he's he's got a difficult environment. But oh, yeah. if the takeover is going to happen, maybe there's some investment and that will give him the best tools to to uh, go on and, and become the manager I'm sure he wants to be. Um, okay, should we take a quick break and come back with some listeners' questions? Wow, I haven't done that in a while. Well, no, we haven't. If you want more from the show in between shows, check us out on the socials. We are NQAT Pod on Instagram, Ed's at NQAT Pod on Twitter, and we are under our real names on Facebook at No Question About That. All right. Uh, so, first up, at Special K underscore 2311 says, Do you think the new Sex in the City will suffer without the Samantha character in it? Um, I've never seen an episode of that show, but she's like the only character who's oh i think there might be a miranda in it as well but anyway um i'm gonna say yes that's my that's my guess i i I don't know it's not my thing um okay uh at hippopotamus 2 the second best hippopotamus who is friends with the rhinoceros rocking this metropolis straight off the top of this esophagus um by versus lindelof do you think Arle prefers Lindelof, or is he protecting Bailly? Uh, no, I think he I want- prefers Lindelof. I wonder whether he prefers Lindelof if the plan is to sit really deep, soak up pressure and hit on the break, whereas actually if the plan is to kind of go on the front foot a little bit more, maybe he'll prefer Bailly for the recovery Yeah, place I mean, and- yes. I mean, you can't play a high line with Lindelof in there alongside yeah. Maguire. You just can't. Um... <laughs> All right, this is a question that's funny for therapists. So sorry, everyone who's not a therapist. But at Matt uh, 250212010, Matt Peck says, um, if goals and assists are a condition of worth for Bruno, how many therapy sessions would it take for him to choose a simple pass? I think what's uh, the truth of that is that the worth condition for Bruno is winning and 
he is desperately trying to do the thing that's going to make his team win, but sometimes he wants it too much and doesn't trust that the people around him are equal to his level, so he tries too hard. And uh, the number of therapy sessions would be a lot, and also you'd be you'd be in danger of messing with his mojo in the interim, although it would work out in the long run if he was working with someone who knew what they were doing. That's my, that's my actual technical answer to that question. All right. Um, all right, here's... Um, here's one for you ed um at left outside 15 says what's up with rashford right now i don't know why is it for me <laughs> i don't know look i look his movement looks okay to me he's he's i don't think it's a fitness problem so maybe it's a little confidence he's not scored as many goals as perhaps he'd liked to this season certainly not in the, the premier league uh, his finishing is just a touch off he he had a very short break you know, after an injury last season, maybe this is, maybe, maybe we'll see uh, much more from him in the second half of the season. But I, I couldn't tell you exactly what it is. Um, okay, so uh, Joey Mangini asks, what are the actual chances of us winning the title this season? I, I don't know. I haven't seen the odds, but I'd say uh, in the region of sort of, you know, more than 10 to 1. Um, yeah, five thirty-eight reckon it's eleven percent. That's their, That's what they reckon. That's about uh, ten to one. Yeah, exactly. I I think that seems reasonable. Or maybe maybe we're a little bit too conditioned by what the last number of years have been like. Sure. Because because actually we've been winning a lot of games this season, and not many of the games that we've won we haven't deserved to win. Yeah, and yeah. we haven't looked awfully sloppy I, I wonder how much of our kind of uh tentativeness is first of all based on the fact that we still don't really know how good city or liverpool are i mean liverpool i have to say just do not look very good at the moment but that that could change quite quickly city well they're playing right now goodness knows how they're doing today they have been doing better but they they labored to a win against brighton and i wonder how much of our, our sense of ourselves is affected by what we've been like in the champions league which was pretty abject when when it was time not to be abject when the pressure mounted when it got really tough they kind of wilted and i i I guess part of my reticence to say, yes, we are banging this title race is I'm not sure I trust this group of players yet to be able to get themselves over the line when it starts to get really tight. Sure. And no, neither do I. And it's not very often that a counter-attacking side has won the league, honestly. So in those really big games... um, Yeah, it's just not... It's just not very often... but is that is that what United are? Are they a counter-attacking side? I mean, but, they're a counter-attacking that, side in big games. But that's also where they're best. So it's where they... But is they... it? Like, is it like, results-wise? Have we result, This season, we haven't been at our best when we've been counter-attacking. Scored more goals on the counter-attack than any other team in the league. So Right, yeah. right. Um, so anyway, look, I think there are some weaknesses and we're, it would have to be a Leicester 2016 no injuries to key players type season for us to win, I think. Yes. Yes. And I think we're going to need, well, I don't know. I don't, it's too early to go on City, I would say. They've been in a good run of form, but they were in a bad run of form before that. So, 
you know, we'll, we'll see what happens. But my sense of it is that City are gr- a growing force uh, in this season. Um. Uh, all right, I, I vowed that we would not do any listeners' questions about transfers, but then we got one from Stan Chow, so we've got to because uh, these are the rules. Can't can't get a question from Stan and not. Did ask, he draw the question it. though? Did I what? Sorry. Did, did he draw it? Did he illustrate the question? <laughs> you really should have. Well, yeah. Well, I would like to see his illustration of the answer. Um, do we need to buy anyone in the transfer window, and if so, who? Yeah, it's good. I mean, I would if if it was one player, I'd go for a defensive midfielder. Um, even though it looks like with Fred and and uh, McTominay, we've got two players who are playing pretty well this season. But it's two players for one position. Uh, I, I don't, as I said before, I don't think United will buy anybody. And then there's the lack of balance on the right. I don't think they're going to do a deal there because they're looking for real quality. Um, and we've talked about central defence all of the time, but if Baye stays fit, he's he's an option, a really good option. Yeah, I mean, it would be lovely to get somebody that can just play on the right, wouldn't it? But, I mean, we're not going to spend the kind of money that you would have to spend to get someone who could play on the right. And, and I guess, you know, what I would have been most crying out for would have been a DM, but actually it's sort of working the the especially given there are lots and lots and lots of games where you don't have to play McFred and then when you do there is enough about them to you know to feed the attacking players well enough kind of thing but my goodness it would be nice if there was only one of them yeah sure and I, I mean maybe the things we're putting together there are the three players that United would have to sign to to you know have a in a standard season you know have a Real, we we would say yes. United are, you know, title contenders at the start of it. So yeah. Um, Charlie at Charlnado, friend of the show, says, "Would you rather be able to talk to land animals, animals that fly, or animals that live underwater?" It's a key question. I mean, I guess you bump into more land animals, don't you? Like, I think I think you can rule I, I out. Don't, I don't know about you. I live in a city. I don't bump into any animals. There's dogs the, and cats the old, around. The old cat and, and dog, yeah. Foxes and squirrels and there's loads of animals in the city. Um I I think you can rule out animals that live underwater unless you live in a sort of flipper situation where you live near a jetty where a dolphin comes to visit you, which I mean that would be great, obviously, but let's let's rule that out. You really, it's a toss up between: do you want to be able to talk to birds or uh, like dogs and cats? Basically, for me, it'd be interesting to get the birds' perspective, you know, because they can see stuff. So it'd be useful to be like, oh, what's is there a lot of traffic over? You know, but then you could just do that with Google Maps now. So probably don't need to be able to talk to birds anymore. Um, I'm going with land animals. Just have a little chat with dogs. That'd be great. I don't think they'd have much to say, to be fair. Bit dumb. Well, this is this is of course the the old philosophical perspective is if even if a lion could speak the same language as you, you would not be able to understand a word he said, sort of thing. Because, you know. <laughs> um should we uh should we call that? I think that was that was fun doing listening questions. All right. I, I, I liked the one about which animals you could talk to best. Uh, so what kind of animals would be able to tell us, uh, whether we're going to beat Fulham on Wednesday night at 8.15pm? 
rodent, you know, it's by the Thames, isn't it? It's teeming with them. <laughs> um, yeah, I guess uh, animals that live underwater because it's near the yeah, Thames. Otters. <laughs> Uh, I don't know if there's I've, any otters on I've the tent. Nev- I've never seen an otter near Craven Cottage, I have to say. Um, uh, a lovely part of the world, though, and a lovely place to go and watch football. What a shame that nobody can do that. Um, and they're not that lovely at the moment because they're doing a bunch of construction. So it's... <laughs> I guess also worth worth a quick mention, the absolute jibber-jabber nonsense that goal celebrations are something that we need to be paying attention to. Like either it's safe, either it's relatively safe to have these games happening and these people being in close proximity to each other, or it's not. I am not sure. I'd love to know what the science is on whether hugging after a goal makes a difference. I, I can't believe it makes any difference. It's an airborne disease and they sit in a changing room, you know. It's... (laughs) In a closed box in a small space, especially at Craven Cottage, by the way. Not very big. They're like porter cabins, aren't they? Uh, so, uh, like, you know, I, I, I'm willing to bet, not being an epidemiologist, that it has absolutely no difference whatsoever if they shake hands and have a quick hug. Um, and it's all about the optics of a few MPs who have an agenda to have people focusing on footballers like they did at the beginning of this thing, rather than on their management and their performance uh, uh, you know, as a governing body of the country is my take anyway. Yes. And has anyone ever regretted anything more than Matt Hancock saying footballers should get more involved? And just now they just don't get to decide any policy without checking with Marcus Rashford first. That's right. There's an interesting interview in the Times with uh, Jan Arger Fjortov's son. He plays for... Morton in Scotland, so he's, he's not very good as a footballer. I think he's a centre half, uh, but he's quite active uh, as well. And uh, in the interview, he basically says something along the lines of, "You know, the people who say shut up and dribble can go f- themselves." Basically, yeah. why shouldn't yeah. he have an opinion? Like yeah, we all do, right? Exactly. Yeah. Um, so yeah. Anyway, just a brief mention of that. I, want, I thought it was. Uh, I thought it was spectacular nonsense of the most you know there's been a lot of the way this has been handled which has been essentially just propaganda that clapping for the nhs which started as a kind of there was some genuine feeling but it's really like it's very dodgy when you look at what they've actually done to the nhs um but anyway you know yeah but uh, look just one data point so the i think the last i i may missed one round out but the last uh test positivity rate so you know test all the Premier League players and a lot of the coaches and stuff, and it was 1.38%, and the national average in the same week was like 8.5%, right? So the bubble is working, right? It's not perfect, but it's working. There was... um... There was one person who messaged us on Instagram, so I don't know who it was, who did point out something quite sort of statistically potentially quite relevant about those two data points, which is they're not quite like would like because um, generally speaking, the, the the public testing tends to be related to symptoms. Although, let me just tell you, anecdotally, I, I know a lot of people who've got COVID tests just in case and made up symptoms. So, you know. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Well, I've I've... I've done six COVID tests so far, um, uh, and I will have done flying uh, in middle of next month, and I will have to do a test at both ends of that as well. So that'll be up to eight very long 
uh, earbuds shoved right up my nose and down the back of my throat because they are very thorough um, when you actually go for a proper people doing it. Um, so, yeah, pleasant stuff. Yeah, not so nice. Anyway, um, that's quite enough of that sort of chat. Um, the uh, lineup's going to be really interesting. We had lots of lots of people messaging us um, asking whether it would just be worth giving Bruno a night off. I mean, Bruno definitely doesn't want a night off. We know that he didn't want two minutes off. Um, and, it, you know, he's clearly a player who... Uh, thrives on on the limelight and leadership and all these kind of things. Uh, but he does, he's played a lot of football and carried a heavy load on his shoulders. And it does seem to me that he starts to get wilder as he gets tireder, like a sort of trumpy three-year-old. I mean, it, it depends how much we're prioritising the FA Cup because it's Fulham and then Liverpool in the Cup, isn't it? Um, and then Sheffield United in the league, so... Um, if there were a couple of games he could miss, the Fulham and Sheffield United games wouldn't be bad ones to miss. That's true. I, c- I got to say, I've rarely cared about a game against Liverpool less than I care about this next one coming up. I can't believe we're playing them again next weekend after this. Like, it just because the FA Cup, I know it's crazy because of all the things that we've said, Honestly, like, I think we might win the league. We've got a 10% chance to win the league. And so the FA Cup just feels like a kind of unwanted distraction at this point. I just want to see that number tick up. It's like playing a role-playing game, right? I just want to play, I just want to see that number tick up. I just want us to kind of like be amassing that three-point chunk every week rather than uh, playing a, a knockout FA Cup game. So, But listen, if Anthony Martial scores a 92nd minute winner to preempt what he's then going to go on to do in the Europa League final in May, uh, completing a treble of sorts, then I'll be happy. Sure, yeah. Well, look, the the other way of thinking about this is that it's West Ham or Doncaster in the fifth round, and that represents an opportunity as well, doesn't it? And then you're in the quarterfinals and you can start sniffing trophies. Yeah, yeah, no, absolutely. So um, let's talk a little bit about Fulham. Um, I mean, you you were saying, can we relegate them after three games of the season, I think? I'm pretty sure they're not currently in the relegation zone. Oh, no, they are. They are still in the relegation zone um, because they've only managed to amass 12 points. But they've been looking a lot better. I mean, Chelsea scraped past them 1-0 this weekend. Uh, they got that very creditable draw with Tottenham, although much as I love to pile in on Jose Mourinho, I don't think this one was his fault. (laughs) Um, uh, They beat QPR in the FA Cup. They got a 0-0 draw with Southampton, 1-0 draw with um, Newcastle. Uh, They drew with Brighton, with Liverpool, lost 2-0 to City, beat Leicester City. So, you know, they've been on a pretty decent run of form performances. It's not a game that we can just walk into and assume we're going to win for sure. No, that's right. And they, they were actually very good against Chelsea in the first half. I mean, got a man sent off at right on half time for a, a pretty rash challenge and that kind of ruined the game for them. So yes, they are they are playing better. They're, kind of like, they're still kind of lightweight and they haven't scored many goals. I mean, Bobby Reed's their top scorer in the league with four and he's on the more defensive side, isn't he? Um, uh, in terms of the, their midfield. So that's their problem. Uh, nice football, don't score enough goals, concede a few too many, which is why they're in the relegation zone. So, 
Uh, one of the ones that United absolutely have to win if this uh, if this is to really be called a, a title challenge. And I tell you what, if we lose, then yeah, maybe we can scrub that for a little for a few <laughs> more games. Um, I wonder what we're gonna see. Ole do. I mean, I can't imagine we'll see Pogba on the right again. Um, although he kind of made a little tweak to it in the second half, but he didn't fundamentally shift that all the way through that game. I wonder if he will go back to Martial up top or if Cavani will start this one because you'd think that this would be a game that Cavani would absolutely thrive in in terms of, you know, taking advantage of a slightly lesser set of defenders, something he's yeah. done throughout his career. Be interesting to see what formation Fulham play as well, because you know they're generally in a four-two-three-one, but they've played about as many minutes with three at the back, so uh, of various different flavours, and and so they might if they're going a bit more defensive, they might do that, um, which they did against Chelsea. So and they stuck yeah. with their three even when they were down a man. What do you think United? What do you think would suit United better? Hog the ball and and attack. So I don't Mm. think they're that dangerous on the counter, particularly. They've got a few speedy... I mean, they've got uh, Ademola Luckman, who's a... um, He's good. You know, he's gone backwards a little bit in his career because people were thinking of big things for him. But, um, you know, he's a talented player. Got a few goals and assists this season. But, uh, um, you know, I would would, uh, put them under pressure as much as possible. So, you know, play plenty of attacking players. I don't think you need the double pivot in there. He may even go back to Matic and Pogba as uh, as the midfield choice, and which he tends to do when he expects United to have a lot of the ball. Yeah, I'd like to see. I think I'd like to see, assuming Fernandez doesn't rest, but you could just swap out Van der Beek for Fernandez if he does. But Matic, Pogba, Fernandez, Rashford, Cavani, Martial sounds sounds pretty good to me. That does, and and. Absolutely crucially, the return to the starting eleven of the rightful king, Eric Bailly. <laughs> yeah, well, we'll see. Got a, got a prediction for this one? Yeah, I guess I think that United are going to win 2-0. All right, I'm going to go with that too. 2-0 two, two okay. sounds good, yeah. All right, um, I, I don't know how much of a barometer Chelsea are because they're not really playing very well at the moment, even though they won that one. Um, but, uh, you know, Fulham looked all right, but yeah, not much to them. So 2-0 sounds fair. All right, so we'll uh, we'll meet again sometime midweek. Get try and get a podcast out before the next mouthwatering big clash against Liverpool next weekend. <laughs> like buses don't come along for ages, and then it used to be Wolves, and now it's Liverpool. What's that? Sorry, but the buses that we had to play every week used to be Wolves, now it's Liverpool. <laughs> yes, exactly. Um, all right, uh, we will see you on Friday. Take care till then. Patreon backers, stay tuned. 